When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So today is obviously a big day in the markets with the Federal Reserve concluding their October meeting, uh, you know, just a couple hours after I uh, am recording today's podcast. So that's certainly going to be worth discussion. I'll probably save most of that for tomorrow because there's no use in preemptively talking about an event that hasn't happened yet. uh, That you don't know the result of ultimately and how the markets are going to react to it. So instead, What I want to do today is focus on this article uh, that I sort of stumbled upon over on Bloomberg. This is an opinion article uh, written by none other than Carl W. Smith. I say none other than, but I I don't know exactly who this guy is. Uh, If it helps, he's a former assistant professor of economics at the University of North Carolina School of Government and founder of the blog Modeled Behavior. So, you know, if you go to his Twitter page, his his cover photo is uh, Milton Friedman. You know, he's he's probably more in the Chicago School of Economics side of things than anything else. But but as a whole, rather than talking about his overall ideology and whatnot, let's focus on this article alone, uh, titled "A Trillion Dollar Deficit May Be Just What the Economy Needs." And it starts off: the federal budget deficit was just shy of one trillion dollars for fiscal year 2019, prompting the usual hand-wringing, including myself, about the long-term fiscal health of the U.S. These concerns are overblown. For now, the deficit is reducing the risk of an economic crisis, not increasing it. To be sure, the U.S. will have to cut the deficit eventually, and Americans should hope that time comes sooner rather than later, because it will mean an an end to this era of insufficient demand, low long-term interest rates, and the persistent threat of recession. That said, it's also important to note that the deficit is actually lower than expected. In January 2017, before Donald Trump took office and the Republican Party exploded the deficit with program tax cuts and spending increases, the Congressional Budget Office expected the national debt to reach 95% of GDP by 2030. In its latest estimate this past June, the CBO estimated that the budget deficit would be 93% of GDP by 2030. So basically what he's saying here, the 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 main point of this article, if if you read the entire thing, I'll I'll go ahead and throw the, the link to it below in the description, is that right now the massive deficit, which let's not kid ourselves, is, is well north of a trillion dollars. It's just shy of a trillion according to the official estimates, but it it always runs well ahead of that, well above that, is beneficial to the economy. That's basically what this Carl W. Smith is saying, because it stimulates economic growth. And and without that debt creation by the federal government, we'd have a greater problem in our hands. And in addition, he goes on to say that all the extra treasury bonds coming onto the market because of this debt is also beneficial because without it, uh, the, the supply of bonds would be lower and thus interest rates would go even further down here in the United States. And, and that is obviously a problem. Now, the, the the problem with this argument, this idea that, 
we need a high deficit right now in order to avoid a recession, is that it's very difficult to find a time in which that's not true. In fact, the only time in which this argument that he's basically making here is not true is if is if there's some sort of outside factor that is leading to significantly higher economic growth, which just doesn't happen very often, especially when you have a global economy that is saturated in debt. Again, let's not kid ourselves. Debt is the problem here. It's not the solution to the to the situation that we're in. You know, so if you have some sort of outside factor outside of of government spending and whatnot that that leads to a high amount of economic growth. You know, we've seen this in the past, uh, you know, overall, I'm talking decades ago, the Industrial Revolution, uh, the proliferation of of fossil fuels, especially uh, uh, oil-based fossil fuels, natural gas, etc. You know, those types of events can lead to very high periods of growth for a long period of time just because <clears throat> overall the efficiency of of so much in the economy has has increased you know the cost of energy has gone down and, and energy is just so key to to everything in this economic picture but that's not where we're at you know if anything shale oil is is on the decline especially if if the price of oil doesn't go north of you know 60 70 80 100 dollars pretty soon here we're going to see shale oil production here in the United States decline. You know, around the world, there's not any sort of savior as far as energy right now. You know, nuclear power, which is pretty proven and fairly cheap and, and much safer than it has been in the past. There's not a huge movement globally to to increase nuclear power production. There's only so much that we can do with, with wind and solar and hydroelectric, but, but wind and solar are very expect, ex- expensive. So, the, I mean, the answer is not on the on the uh, uh, power or energy side of things. I mean, you can make changes in terms of human efficiency with manufacturing, with uh, automation and all of that. And that's a steady process that continues to to be borne out. But but there's not any big sign that that's going to significantly uh, increase efficiency, lead to, to long-term massive amounts of economic growth. I mean, right now, uh, the global economy is saturated in debt. And and until that changes, you know, any potential recovery, any potential period of time of, of large amounts of secular growth, I'm talking 10 years of averaging, I don't know, here in the United States, 5%, 6%, that'd be pretty good. That's that's a pipe dream. Because debt, the nature of debt to an economy is that as it increases, it just becomes a burden. I mean, you look at the burden for the federal government just paying interest on our current debt. Well, the same is true for corporations as well as consumers. The same is true the world over. Debt over the short term, I've said this how many times, can be a very potent tool in increasing economic growth. <clears throat> We've seen this in the U.S. When, when during the Great Recession, we piled on the deficits. We did all sorts of government spending programs. More recently, we had the Trump tax cuts, right? And those helped boost the economy over a you know, relatively short period of time. But the nature of debt is that as you increase the amount of debt, the less effective it is at creating economic growth. So early on, a dollar of debt might equal a dollar of economic growth or five or whatever, you know, that that point is. But over time, it's going to create, it's going to 
the $5 of debt to create $1 of economic growth and then $10 of debt and 50 and $100. And it's become less and less effective and it's become more and more burdensome over the long term. I mean, again, we all know that debt can be very necessary and helpful over the short term. I mean, small business owners, I'm sure many of you guys are no strangers to that. Not not to say that it's necessary, but it's certainly a reality for many small business owners that they just need a large amount of, of capital short term to get things moving. Without it, the business doesn't begin really. Hey, same thing goes for homeowners. I mean, a mortgage is, is debt. And without it, people would have uh, quite a bit of difficulty saving for, for houses, right? And so debt is not necessarily always a bad thing. <clears throat> but when it piles up like it is right now at the consumer, the corporate, the government level, it, it becomes extremely burdensome. It chokes out economic growth. And so to say that the answer right now to, to halt another recession is to just spend more. Well, that sounds great. And it's, yeah, absolutely can work. Like I said, the, the Trump tax cuts and, and some of the extra deficits resulting from that. Yeah. That boosted economic growth or certainly would appear to have over, you know, since it was put into place, uh, what, 2018, early 2018. But that's going to be short-lived. The debt that was created from that, however, is still on the books. You you see what I'm getting at here? And so, you know, this, uh, what, former uh, assistant professor economist, you know, somebody from the academic side of economy, I guess not, not a YouTube ec- economist like myself or pod podcast economist, whatever. It sounds great on paper, but, but when you look at that and, and, and if you're somewhat consistent with that viewpoint, the only time in which it's acceptable to reduce deficits or even run a surplus is when you have some large exogenous factor that is boosting economic growth secularly. And, and that's just not the case right now. And I know economists are, you know, especially this guy is going to go on about um, the impact that, that this all has on savings and consumption and supply. And But but I'm not too concerned about all that, that deep economic theory. It, it I don't think any of us need to take an economics course. We don't need to uh, be a, a professor in economics. To, to understand that more debt over the long term is, is bad and it's burdensome for an economy, a government, etc. In fact, he even goes on to say he's talking about how <clears throat> the uh, the Fed funds rate, the, the interest rate set by the Federal Reserve, which, by the way, is probably going to be cut later today. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it will have been cut. How raising it, you know, some people have theorized, hey, maybe the Fed should raise that rate over the short term so that they have more room to cut it as we head into a recession. He says, nah, we should do that because we're going to head into another recession. But, but again, the problem with that thinking is that if you never raise rates because you're always afraid of a recession, well, guess what low rates do? They create asset inflation, which invariably leads to an even more damaging recession. I mean, it's like when you, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here, but basically, you know, the longer you hold off of a recession through artificial means, through monetary policy, through deficit spending, the worse the eventual recession is going to be. Recessions, I mean, the business cycle should be a normal 
part of of life. And yet the Fed, U.S. government, and, and it's not just U.S. and, and the Fed, it's plenty of central banks and, and governments around the world. Right now, they're, they're doing their very best to, to get rid of this business cycle. Let's get rid of recessions and let's replace them with never-ending, credit-fueled economic growth. But going back to what I said like five minutes ago, credit-fueled, I'm talking debt-fueled economic growth, more and more debt is ultimately very burdensome for the economy. And it leads to uh, basically a point where, where you need more and more debt to get the same amount of stimulus. And that's where we're at right now. And so, yeah, it sounds great on paper. And it sounds, it's politically expedient over the short term. Yeah, you know, I just saw a headline earlier that, that <laughs> reminded me of something that's, that's almost humorous at this point. Uh, the idea that, that Donald Trump, you know, during his campaign, had talked about eliminating the national debt. And I remember, you know, early on in his presidency or even before he was elected, individuals talking about how he's going to do some debt forgiveness plan, uh, do some sort of, uh, you know, program where, where he pays back debtors at a lower rate than usual, which, by the way, would absolutely destroy pension. I mean, people think that, that the only people we owe money to is like China and Japan, but no, it's a lot of other countries, but also, you know, one of the largest holders of, of U.S. debt is U.S. individuals and and things like U.S. pension funds and, and mutual funds and all that. So, I mean, that, that'd be extremely damaging. It, it's a pipe dream. You know, if Trump wants somehow to, to forgive national debt or get rid of the national debt, uh, he can accomplish it. Sure. The first route being... We're just not going to pay it back, default it on it. That, that's obviously not going to happen. And and I think, you know, we, we have to be wary about listening to anybody that thinks that that would actually happen. No, I mean, the only other way out is, is uh, you know, if he were to be elected for another term and then just totally run the dollar into the ground. Hyperinflation, right? That's inflated away. That's That's ultimately, I think, where we're heading. I don't think it's necessarily going to be intentional by Donald Trump, though, or whoever the president is at that point, to somehow get rid of our national debt. Uh, furthermore, I, <laughs> that's not necessarily a a, uh, a preferable alternative. Hyperinflation in order to get rid of of our debt. That's that's extremely damaging, and it could could spell the the end of the the United States as we know it. So, you know, I could go on and on talking about this, but but again, deficit spending is not good. It can be very powerful for economic growth over the short term. But we're in this situation here where every president, every Congress, assuming their party's in power, every uh, uh, governor, mayor, economist, whatever, wants higher deficit spending in order to boost economic growth. But guess what? I mean, that's been the case now for for like a decade, right? Decade plus. Where deficit spending is always deemed extremely necessary right now. Because without it, the economy would crash. But again, if you hold those floodwaters back for too long... It, it, you can think of it as a dam, right? We we briefly touched on hydroelectric power earlier, right? You can think of it like a dam. If if, if you do not let 
the water pass around or through the dam, uh, it's ultimately going to spill over. And, and what happens then is not uh, power generation. It's not a gentle and controlled release of that water. Uh, generally, when dams are overtopped, they, they're destroyed, right? And, and that's kind of the situation we're in right now. If you continuously tell everyone that, hey, we need these deficits, we need this debt creation to keep this thing going, well, we're 10 years into that. We've been telling ourselves that for like 10 plus years now. And ultimately, you know, this water is is about to to spill over this dam and it's not going to end well. So as always, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys' support. I always sound so negative sometimes, but you guys know I'm a pretty positive guy for the most part. But on topics like these, it's pretty hard to, to find a positive uh, if nothing else, we can be thankful that, that, you know, many of us that are into precious metals, uh, and those of us that, you know, through, through education like this is, are, are mentally prepared for what's coming, uh, that, that we can, can hopefully, uh, uh, handle this better than, than the hundreds of millions of Americans and billions worldwide, which largely have put their faith in government to, to save themselves from, from any potential, problem boogeyman recession whatever uh hopefully we we are uh, a little bit beyond that though so as always thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast and god bless